0: We will need the legislature in January to appropriate uh, more funding because we're out of funding for the right of initiative right now. The state has already thrown more than $140 million at this program. Inslee wants lawmakers to get even more. You can't do this with zero dollars. This cannot be done at zero cost. We need people to do the construction. We need people to do the outreach. We need law enforcement to be able to help. We need drug treatment to get these people off of the scourge of fentanyl. This is Plausibly Live. Look, the only reason I do... YouTube videos in the first place is because I paid way too much money to a consultant some years ago when I, when I had this weird fantasy about getting rich doing this, it was stupid. And if you were to ask me as a, as a potential podcaster, how much money am I going to (laughs) make? I'm going to tell you not a lot. Not enough to keep you from having to going back to work. I can tell you that. At any rate, uh, I paid this consultant a good deal of money, who told me po- video is the thing, video podcasts are the thing. They're not. They never will be. Uh, but spent a lot of money on it. Spent money getting the infrastructure to do it, and so I feel like I'm kind of stuck. It's like buying NFL Sunday ticket. You know, they advertise it as you your home team, you want to buy your home team so you can watch your home team, but the problem is you pay so much money for it that you feel like you have to watch the pointless games that you don't want to watch, you wouldn't watch anyway, but you paid so much money for it, you feel like you have to, and it's kind of the way I feel with this. YouTube is the first burr under my saddle today, YouTube removed one of my videos uh, this week, A video that was weeks old, by the way. It wasn't something that I did this week. It was something that I did well over a month ago. They decided, sent me an email, that it was, quote-unquote, medical misinformation. And what was this medical misinformation? It was a question as to whether or not both sides, left and right, are using mask mandates, again, as... Political talking points. That's what it asked. But it had a picture of a person wearing a mask on the on the cover photo. And it, the title of the show was Mask Mandates Redux. And, and so they just assumed that it was medical misinformation. Well, I'm kind of pissed off about them removing that. And I realize we've had this discussion before about youtube removing stuff social media editing content i get it i i know we've had that the problem is that there's a there's a functional issue here with this podcast i can't speak for any other podcast but this podcast there's a functional issue because of its purpose which is a record for my son to be able to look back at at some point in the future. I have to be able to maintain a permanent presence. For that, you need space. Space costs money. So there's two ways to do this. You could either pay a lot of money, get a lot of space, put it there, but then you run into the problem of most of those companies operate on a month-to-month thing. In other words, you can't permanently buy you know, 400 gig of space for an affordable price. And so consequently, if you don't pay the monthly bill, which would happen if I were to become incapacitated in some way, that material then goes away. So you need permanence, which means you got to have someplace free, which comes with trade-offs, and I get that. I get the trade-offs for Spotify, I get the trade-offs for YouTube, I get the trade-offs. But you got to have that space and you got to have that permanence in order to maintain that. And so sometimes you have to put up with with nonsense. Spotify is our is our podcast host. I used to do it myself, but again, I run into that problem of space versus, you know, what happens when I am incapacitated and don't pay the bill anymore. So I use Spotify because it's free and because so far at least it provides what I need. There are a lot of people in this business who hate Spotify and that's fine. Um, These are people that for the most part think they're going to get rich doing this, but you know, there you go. There are other video alternatives. Rumble is the one that is particularly uh, of note. Rumble is okay once it's there. That's the problem with Rumble, is it is slow as all get out. Literally what takes an hour to upload on YouTube takes four hours to upload on Rumble. And I'm sorry, I just don't have that kind of time to sit here. I just don't. And yeah, I know, I could just push the button and walk away. But you're talking about using bandwidth, you're talking about using... You know, your computing time, if I have other things to do, fine. But, you know, there's trade-offs to everything, folks. There's trade-offs to the whole thing. Um, So I don't really know what the answer is. Going forward, we'll still be on YouTube. I I have an issue with, I got to be careful because I don't want my channel removed. There are things on my YouTube channel that are not related to the show. And they're the only place that I have them. And now that YouTube has disabled downloading videos, yes, I know you can pay for premium and save them. It's not the same thing. But thanks to Facebook removing my account last year, uh, the only permanent location I have some of those things is on YouTube. And so if they delete my channel, those things are gone. So I got to figure that out. I got to figure out how to get that stuff saved permanently. And I got to protect it. So for now I'll still have a YouTube channel. I'll still this podcast will still be available on YouTube. However, if you're watching on YouTube, you will notice a couple of things. Number 1, instead of having a cover photo on a cover graphic on every episode, the the cover graphic will not change. That's one of the things I do. It's it's something I'm obsessed with and frankly, I spent money on software to do all that stuff. I'm learning Uh, AI art. I'm learning those things, and so I want to use them. It's fun. It's interesting. It keeps it, to me, it it keeps it, you know, on edge. So, I I usually change the graphic for every episode. Well, I'm not going to do that on YouTube anymore. From now on, the graphic on YouTube will be a unicorn with rainbows flying out of its butt. And the episode descriptions that you would normally read, which are normally just verbatim copies of what's on the 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 website, to the YouTube channel uh, will now be generic, uh, nonsensical, kumbaya nonsense. So if you watch on YouTube, you can just ignore all that crap because it will have nothing to do with anything because I'm convinced that YouTube doesn't actually watch the videos. I'm, I'm actually convinced of that. They simply look at titles Graphics and go, ooh, this is medical misinformation, even though what it was was a political question. And there you go. So that's the first burr under my saddle today. The second burr under my saddle has to do with what I used to do for a living. I think most of you know this, but on the off chance that you don't, and I know Ben will know by now, I used to work in social services. I was particularly affiliated with the Salvation Army. I grew up in the Salvation Army. My father was a Salvation Army officer. My grandfather was, and grandmother was the, my grandmother was the social services director in Oklahoma City when I was a kid. Um, It's something that I'm very familiar with. It's something that I did for many years. Uh, When I was 11 years old, my father was assigned to a, what we called in the Salvation Army, a harbor light. Center, which is essentially a homeless mission, uh, very on par with the gospel mission, union gospel missions, those sorts of things, in downtown Denver, what they called, what they call now Lodo, Lower Denver. Um, it's a very fancy shopping area now, but back then it was what we called Skid Row. That's where I grew up. 11 years old, my best friends are winos and prostitutes on Larimer Street in Denver. It's weird. So I grew up doing this stuff. I after my time in the Navy, I became a Salvation Army officer. Um, after I left that particular ministry, came to Modesto, California, where I was the business administrator. And as part of my duties as a business administrator, I opened the homeless shelter there in Modesto, the Salvation Army homeless shelter that's still there. You can go down and see it and see those services. Now when I opened it, it was not what it is today. It was simply a warehousing shelter, because frankly, that's what I believe needed to happen. I've never accepted transitional housing as an idea. I don't think it works, blah, blah, blah. The problem with these homeless, and I'm just going to call them what they are, they're griffs, is that what we're seeing here in Washington State and around the country just drives it home. The problem is government money. I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say because, you know, governments are supposed to solve problems, but it really is the problem with homelessness. People say, what do you what do you got to do to end homelessness? I can tell you what to do to end homelessness. Stop putting government money into it. The only reason the homeless are there is because there's money to pay for their services. Look, I wrote grants. I wrote applications for funding the problem with government money is twofold. Well, it's more than that, but there's two primary problems, particularly when it comes to homeless services. Number one, every contract that you get, say you get a contract to provide, I don't know, 50 beds for four months, you know, 120 days, whatever, a year for X number of homeless people. And that's going to cost you so much money. Again, these are not real numbers. I'm just For for simplicity's sake, let's let's say it's going to cost $100,000 to do this. You have to match that 10%. Now, you could do it in kind, but that gets a little funky accounting-wise, and and unless you're really, really on top of that, it's going to be difficult. And believe me, when the auditors come, they look very, very unkindly on in kind. So that means you've got to come up with cash match in most cases to do that. So you automatically have to come up with $10,000 to get this $100,000 from the government. So you're already $10,000 of your own money into this of your organization before you even touch the $100,000 that you might have gotten from from the government. The second problem is, is that I have never seen one that didn't require. I've never seen a government contract. Or even a United Way contract that didn't require require an increase in the amount of service you provide year over year. So think about this for just a minute. To get the government money or in United Way money in most places, you have to actually increase the services you're giving to homeless people. Anybody else see the problem there? If you're increasing the services, how are you reducing homelessness? If I'm supposed to provide 50,000 bed nights this year, and next year I have to provide 60,000 bed nights, how am I reducing homelessness? In fact, what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be out scouring, looking for people to fill those extra 10,000 beds. What are they actually spending that money on? Well, of course, personnel is the biggest part of that. and And I don't fault that when it comes to social services. Look, somebody has to do the work. I get that. So personnel becomes a big part of that. But what I was starting to see when I left the biz was more and more requirements for advanced degrees, master's in social work type degree which means that these people aren't going to work for, you know, low wages. They're full-time employees, so that requires benefits. And personnel costs going through the roof. And it, it seems like, to me, what I was seeing when I left the business was that it was becoming counterproductive. We want to do more and more rather than less and less. Or maintaining what we were doing because it was working. I go back to this all the time. Um, When we opened the shelter in Modesto, we were having a problem in Modesto with homeless people committing small crimes to get elected or arrested. Not not elect, well, maybe elected. Who knows? We had one run. They were committing crimes to get arrested on particularly cold nights, so that they could get thrown in jail where they would have a cotton food. We opened the shelter. And by the way, Chief Mike Harden, who was the assistant chief and I at the time, he and I sat down with their accountants, and we ran through How much does it cost to arrest and house a person for one night? And in that era, which was what, 2000-ish, somewhere in there, 2003, 2002, somewhere in that era, um, it was roughly $1,400 a night to arrest a homeless person, put them in jail, feed him, to do all the processing, pay all the stuff, everything. $1,400. We could house that person for about $39. When you had to pay, you know, for the electricity and the we got the building donated and, and we got the food donated, but you still had to pay people to be there to watch stuff. And uh, well, why not get volunteers, Dave? Because volunteers, it's a great idea. Doesn't work in principle. Doesn't work in practice. Great idea in principle. Doesn't work in practice. Anyway, we figured out we were saving the city close to a quarter million dollars a year by running them. But, of course, now we want this to be more. We want it to be transitional housing. We want it to be this and that and then. And while I wasn't part of it then, I did find out much later that they were running a significant deficit trying to do all this stuff. Why is this a burr under my saddle? As you heard at the top of the show, state of Washington, led by Governor Inslee has spent $143 million this fiscal year. One year. $143 million on what they call the, uh, what do they call this thing? Uh, I forgot the name. It's Right-of-Way Safety Program. The Right-of-Way Safety Initiative. Now, what this is is, Homeless camps that are on right-of-ways, state right-of-ways, we're going to clean those up. Three cities have primarily benefited from this, Seattle, Tacoma, and Olympia. That's it. And of that $143 million, they have removed 1,229 people, I'm sorry, 1,299 people from these encampments. Let's just call it 1,300. Of those 1,300 that they removed, 870 said, sure, I'll accept your free miniature housing that you built. And of those 890, according to the state statistics, remember this is a one-year program, 126 have, quote, successfully exited the program, unquote. I don't believe that number. I can tell you that in my own experience, in 15 years of doing this, the number of people who, quote-unquote, successfully exited the program was zero. Because it's all in how you define successfully exited. Oh, after six months, are they still housed? Check. Oh, successful program. Where are they after a year? Where are they after two years? Where are they? If they're back on the streets, it wasn't successful. But that's not how these government people think. They say 126. Again, I don't believe that number. Just in case you're not doing the math, that means that to clear out 1,300 people cost us roughly $110,000 per person to remove them from the homeless camp. Which, by the way, only 870 went somewhere else, which means where did the rest go? That's a question, isn't it? If you run the math further, you find that for each one of those 870 that quote-unquote accepted housing, that was $164,000. And if you take the 126 that quote-unquote successfully exited the system, $1.137 million per person. Why does this bother me? It bothers me because I know how the government works. I know how these programs grift into social services agencies and I'm not saying that all of them are bad agencies that's not what I'm saying at all what I'm saying is they are forced by government requirements to not solve the problem all this money you hear spent on homeless issues is not about solving homelessness at all it's about employing people who perpetuate the system and by doing so continue to make more and more money tax dollars, which, of course, don't come from the government. So they're not government employees, Dave. It's not the government doing it. We're just... Anyway, long story short, the governor wants more money this year. He didn't want just a measly $143 million this year. He wants more than that this year because we didn't solve the problem. See, if we solve the problem or reduce the problem... We'd need less money, right? We would provide less services because there would be, quote-unquote, less homelessness. But instead, what we find is the more money government pours into this grift of homeless services, the more homeless we have. Parkinson's social law, right? I don't know, ma'am. I watched the governor give that speech, do that interview, and all, I just wanted to throw things at my television. Just pissed me off. 143 million dollars in one year. And I just think back to what we were doing was so successful. It was so we we were saving the city money. And what we found is by expanding, by getting bigger, we didn't save the city any more money. We just did more work for more money. We got more money and we had to come up with more cash match. At the end of the day, that's all all of these homeless services organizations are doing. I know they wouldn't like to hear that, but they all know it's true. They all know that that's what this does. And at the end of the day, it's just another burr under my saddle. Now I got to go do this YouTube video, which won't look like this one does, but you know. What are you going to do? See you next time.